Welcome to the Sleep Roundtable podcast. Each week leading up to the 10th annual Sleep Roundtable, I'll be chatting with one of this year's renowned industry expert speakers. If you haven't already, be sure to get registered for the roundtable. It's the leading dental sleep conference for sleep dentists and their teams. And it's in Dallas on October 7th through 10th. Go to sleeproundtable.com to get registered. Now sit back and get ready to learn a thing or two in preparation for this year's highly anticipated sleep roundtable. Enjoy. Uh, today I'm speaking with Dr. Stacy Ochoa. She's uh, of course a dental sleep medicine specialist, but primarily she's a pediatric airway expert. We'll be talking a lot about that. In fact, that's going to be her topic at the 10th Annual Sleep Roundtable. Your experience in dental sleep medicine is important in getting there, but, but obviously you've pioneered a lot of this pediatric stuff. And gosh, I'm glad you have because that's a very needed field. But before we get into that, and, and I'm going to be asking you quite a few questions, and, and of course, I'm going to be getting you to tell us your story. But first, I want to hear your personal story about sleep. Tell me what got you first interested in treating sleep, and then what has then moved you into the pediatric spot. And you're actually in that beginning journey, Kent. <laughs> My story is similar to a lot of people. You know, you get into this because you have a family member that can't tolerate CPAP or you yourself have apnea or an issue with, with sleep disordered breathing. Um, and for me, it was my dad. And I was lucky enough to get into an associateship practice almost 20 years ago with a dentist who was very mindful of sleep apnea and was using oral appliance therapy. I didn't know anything about it, but I was privy to screening so I knew some, I knew how to identify someone struggling. So got my dad to the sleep position. He was immediately put on a CPAP machine and he just could not tolerate it. And the sleep physicians came to me and said, why aren't you making him one of those devices that these dentists are making then? You know, I'm one of those people like, oh, if I can't do it perfectly, I shouldn't do it at all. You know, it's a little analysis paralysis that all dentists, it's drilled in our heads in dental school. Eventually, the sleep physicians pushed me. So I went to my local lab and I said, look, who do I learn dental sleep medicine from? And you were the person they directed me to. So you were the very first. Really? Dental sleep. Yeah. I took your course when you were teaching. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't Dallas. I flew to Dallas. I had known you through other avenues, like six months, miles and stuff. But took your course, got my dad in an appliance and it really helped him a lot, changed his life. Um, he had a lot of health problems, as a lot of our sleep patients do, a lot of metabolic syndrome issues. He was pretty sick, a lot of other heart issues going on too. And, you know, then I started having kids. You know, I, I knew that kids could, you know, snore and have issues. And I did all the things that were taught, you know, tonsils and adenoids, get them to the ENT. And I did that. And they'd be great for six months. And then boom, back again. So I knew something was missing. And, you know, I was, to be honest, I got a little ticked off with dental sleep medicine for a while. I mean, if I just get raw about it, I, I felt like, you know, my dad was severe. He was struggling. He had a lot of things going on. I couldn't figure out what was going on with my kids. I just was getting angry. 
um, because there weren't answers. And then on Valentine's of 2017, I was actually on a plane going to another pediatric expansion, trying to figure this all out, flying course to course to course, you know, which I felt very guilty about as a parent, but I also knew I needed to help my kids and nobody was giving me answers in dental sleep, the orthodontist, nobody was giving me answers. So, and my dad was like, you're flying so much. Why, why are you leaving so much? And I said, dad, as much as I want my kids to grow up and be like you when they're older, I don't want them to have your health issues. He got it. And uh, I told him, you know, they're breathing through their mouth. They can't breathe right. And, and my dad said, I never was able to breathe through my nose growing up. And I'm like, oh, light bulb. That's interesting. So I'm on a plane going to Virginia, West Virginia, getting ready to take off. And my phone keeps ringing, ringing, ringing. I'm, you know, swipe, swipe. And I got this weird feeling like you have to take it. It was my brother and I answered and it was the 15th. That's what it was, February 15th. And I'm leaving. We had all been texting as a family because it's my dad's birthday in a few days. And so we were all texting about his birthday and he was on the text thread. And we're all just going back and forth all day long. And I get on the plane to leave after work. And my mom worked at my office and she went home um, to make dinner. And it was so weird, Kent, like I looked at the phone and I thought, if I answer this, it's going to change my life. It was this instant feeling. My brother said that my dad had passed in his sleep the night before. And my mom left for work to come to my office and she kept looking at him and he looked so peaceful and she didn't want to bother him because it was so hard for him to get a good night's sleep. So she didn't want to bother him. But in reality, he had passed. So she saw him gone that morning, comes to work. It just was very, I got very angry, to be honest, after that. I, I didn't want to take any adult sleep stuff. My dad, mind you, that night, it was Valentine's. He got my mom flowers and some chocolate-covered strawberries that were in the fridge still when after the funeral. You know, she kept telling him to put his sleep device in because he would start to fall asleep and forget to put it in. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it was just 100% his apnea, but there's, I get it. He was a sick person. He had heart disease and apnea and all these things, but it all snowballs to that, you know, and it compounds, you know, years of illness, years of sickness, years of being missed. But I got angry. I was like, I felt like I failed him. You know, what's weird? My worst nightmare, Kent, was that my dad would die with my device in his mouth. So on one hand, it was like, okay, God, <laughs> you knew that I would feel like the worst daughter on the planet if my dad had that device in his mouth. So, but it wasn't in his mouth that night. And so then I'm thinking, well, then that could have been what happened, but he, you know, eventually had a heart attack in his sleep. I just went full blown with the kids. Like, you know, I, with, with adults, we can manage it. But sometimes you feel like you're beating a dead horse with adults. You're, you're, you're trying to convince them how sick they are. And they just are like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and you try to figure out why they want to be better and, and focus on that. Like, what's your victory? What's your win? Is it getting back in the bedroom? Is it spending time with your kids? Cause it's really for them. Most of it, it's not about their health. <laughs> so it's it, with kids. 
parents care about their kids' health and they will do what it takes for their kids' health to be them be- their best selves. At least I did as a mom and I think most parents would and for their grandchildren. That's my story. That's why I'm a little bit, I guess, obsessive or passionate maybe as a better word about pediatric is if someone could have gotten to my dad, maybe he would have had a whole different life, you know? And I, I'm planning on my children having a very different life than my dad. Wow. Thanks for telling us the story. That's, uh, I, I wish it didn't take that for you to get so involved, but gosh. Right, right. But I think that's sometimes what happens sure. anything in life that you go through, like, why is this happening? Why is every single person in my family sick with airway issues? And I really don't think my family's that different. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, I think my family is like a lot of families. Yeah, I was, uh, I was at the hospital at 11 o'clock last night with my daughter who just delivered her first baby. Oh, congrats. <laughs> and it was interesting. He was all swaddled up on his back and there was a a little note on his chest that said, uh, back sleeping only, or I like to be on my back, something like that. Really? So, yeah, it's it's on the little swaddle thing that he had on. Like telling everyone, leave me on my back. Right. <laughs> and we all know that's about a breathing thing. That's, a, that's about SIDS. And, and so yeah. that is the current thought anyway, and that's changed over the years. And, and I'm thinking, gosh, you know, kids are a lot different. We're we're trying to get all of our adult patients to sleep on their side, not on their back. Yeah, back sleeping is not ideal position for humans ever. No, and this newborn that's been out of the womb just a couple of hours, we're making him sleep on his back. So, and we're having him and this little sweet baby's little jaw. You know, it's just. It's fighting gravity. It's it's just, and we also know supine sleep induces nasal congestion. Um, So it's like, really, there's not a reason. The only people that tend, well, you know, kids with huge adenoids, they do better on their back. Is that right? Yeah. So their, their airways are better on their back, but it's because their adenoids are so huge on that posterior nasal pharynx that when they lay on their back, the adenoids pull back. Yeah. Okay. But that's it. It's so really what do you need to do instead of sleep on your back is get your adenoids yeah. <laughs> yeah, removed or, or get your allergies figured out. But it's crazy. Uh, it's a, it's truly a pandemic and there's so many factors to it. Kent, it's like, there's definitely the mechanical side, you know, and we are really good at that part with, you know, stabilizing mandibles and, creating a bigger area for that tongue. It's a a lot of um, mechanical anatomy that we're, you know, helping people with. And even with expansion, making a bigger box for that tongue and getting the jaw more forward in children and adults too. But there are a lot of other things that affect sleep and sleep health that are physiological, non-anatomical. I know you, you understand that very well with endocannabinoids and um, cannabinoid science and vitamin D and magnesium. And we are a nutritionally deficient, you know, world, especially in America. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I think the, you know, the dentists that are going to be coming to the round table, I think in general, you know, they, they, most of them have average dental practices where they see all ages. 
And what should they be looking for? They go in to see a, a four-year-old and mom's in there. They're checking that patient in hygiene. What should they be asking? Should it start even before that? Should something be on the health history? Yes. Okay. So tell us about that. I, I started changing on our pediatric health history questions I asked because it would segue you know, when the parents are filling that out and they're like, hmm, why is my dentist asking if my child has a lot of ear infections? Why is my dentist asking if my child wets the bed? Why is my dentist asking me um, if my child has a lot of uh, drooling or mouth breathing at night um, or has ADD and all these other things? If parents are like, what does this have to do with the dental visit? So that'll spark a conversation. And it's really interesting because we see these kids more than they're pediatricians do typically at least twice, you know, twice more a year than, so we're seeing them more than the pediatricians. And a lot of times on the health history, I mean, you'll see that they're on maybe allergy medication or they might be on ADD, ADHD medication. And that will immediately alert me as to why is this child on a stimulant? Why do we have this child on basically a form of, you know, amphetamines? So when you're watching, and we all know those kids in the chair, they're moving all over the place and um, they won't sit still and they're touching everything. So those are things that would spark a conversation. Um, and a lot of times it's planting seeds with parents. In the very beginning, I used to be the, I have to educate and save all these kids right now. And some parents, they're just, some are so elated when you ask them because they've been trying to figure out what the problem is with their child and no one's helping them. They are so beyond grateful that you're saying, you know what, I'm concerned about your child's sleep. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Most parents are like, really? Yeah, that's yeah. Their covers are all over the place. They get up all the time. They have anxiety to fall asleep. Um, they have dreams and nightmares, you know, constantly getting up, walking around. It's like they're asleep but they're awake I mean there's all kinds of things you'll hear from parents but then you're going to have some parents that just kind of look at you like why is my dentist asking me this which is no different than the adults sometimes they're like why is my dentist asking if I snore you know my, my physician should have handled that so there are definite things that you can look at definite comorbidities on a health history but then I'll go over to at the round table clinical signs I think you'd be shocked how many kids are breathing through their mouth. And it, and it doesn't have to be that Napoleon dynamite look where his jaw is hanging down. I mean, that's really bad mouth breathing, but, and so a little trick I sometimes do when I suspect that a child cannot breathe through their nose, especially if I take a CBCT and I see these huge adenoids, you know, and I'll even ask the kiddo, you know, do you breathe more through this pointing to their nose or this? pointing to their mouth. Kids have no clue where they're supposed to breathe. So they'll say, a lot of times they'll tell you my mouth and then I'll have the discussion. Well, what is your mouth for? And they'll tell me all the things they think their mouth is for. And then I'll say, well, what is your nose for? To smell. And I'm like, well, and also to breathe. So a lot of parents don't even realize that. So I'll have them take a business card and just kind of while I'm talking to the parent and I'll kind of give the parent a wink and I'm like, I have a suspicion you're having a hard time breathing through the right 
place. And so we're going to play a little game here and I'm going to have you hold this card and I'll have them just hold it. And I'm like, you can't let your lips come apart. You can't drop the card. The card has to stay just like this. Or and I'll have them hold it between their lips, but they can't, they have to breathe through their nose that way. I mean, they should be able to do that for one to three minutes. Most kids are like, you know, they're fine. They just watch TV and zone out. But the kids that struggle mouth breathing, they struggle with mouth breathing and don't breathe well through their nose. You'll see them do this. And then the parent goes, oh my gosh, they just breathe through their mouth. And I said, oh, they sure did. So let's get them to the ear, nose, start doctor. So the doctor can get you breathing through the nose because your nose has all these things in it to help fight viruses and back, especially during all the stuff we're going through with COVID right now, you want to be breathing through your nose, not your mouth. So uh, it helps the parent understand. Yeah, we, we talk to our adult patients certainly about breathing through their nose and how important it is. And what I have found, and this is just anecdotal and I don't have any statistics on it, but it seems like when I'm trying to figure out if they're obligatory versus habitual nose breathers, it's, it's about 50-50 with the adults. Yeah. Would you say with the kids, it's almost always obligatory? It's not a habit at that point? I will say, and again, anecdotal, what I'm seeing in my practice is a lot of times it starts, I think, regardless of what it turns into, if it turns into habit, I think it, it had to be obligatory to begin with. Right. Because as humans, that's not what, I mean, these babies, like your little grandson yesterday, those little lips should be sealed, breathing through their little nose, and you can't even tell they're breathing. Right. That's just natural. And it's this little, and their little diaphragm is so quiet. And something happens along the way that changes that. Um, I, and it's usually in childhood. Um, and adults will say, and I've had a few adults say, you know, I used to breathe through my nose and I know exactly when I stopped breathing through my nose. My experience is get them to the ENT, at least remove, it could be allergies, it could be, uh, you know, whatever, usually adenoids or swell bodies in the septum and get at least the physical obstruction out of the way. And then we can talk about the habitual, because again, I talked to a lot of ENTs like you have. Sometimes they'll say, look, I, I've done all I can. I think it's a habit at this point. And it's literally like Christian Guimano said, it is nasal disuse. They literally, their organs almost turned off. They ha you have to turn it back on again. And that's training. But yeah, with the kids, I think it's mostly a physical obstruction. Yeah, I would think that. Yeah, I find it interesting in my, in my sleep seminars, when I start talking about kids, you can look out over the group and you can see usually moms that are team members, they're like perking up and they're, they're like glued to that conversation because they really do care. So I think you're right. I think in general, parents really do care about their kids, especially if it's impacting their, their growth. We know that it retards growth if they're not breathing well. It retards growth. And I mean, the study that uh, David Gazal did, he's now, uh, he used to be at Chicago and he is in um, actually Columbia, Missouri now at Mizzou where my son's going to college soon. But David Gazal put out a paper that looked at children that snored between four and six years old that no longer snore now at 13. And they were in the bottom third of their class. Wow. So even though they don't currently snore, there's that window of cognitive development 
between that four to six year age. And if you don't fix it around that age, it is long-term deficits. So that we got a sweet spot. And, and this is where Steve Carstensen nailed it. He had said this at the most recent pediatric airway symposium. He said, I really believe that the general dentist is going to be the primary care physician of the airway. And I agree because we are seeing the craniofacial issues. We're seeing, um, we can put the puzzle pieces together like no other healthcare provider can. And you can become a triage. Like I know people are like, oh, I don't wanna expand kids. And I, that's fine. You don't have to be the one that expands them, but you can start building a team in your community and find that orthodontist willing to do it. Get your ENT that's progressive and ready to take action and start getting these kids on a totally different path to save, you know, you, what the life you change just by intervention is huge. Boy, I can't wait to hear your talk at the round table. This is gonna be fascinating. And I hope everyone that comes out to take, uh, that, that watches her course is ready to take notes, you guys, this is so important. It, it's going to change the lives of future generations. And, you know, you also co-founded a study club, a mentorship program, et cetera, called ASAP. Um, tell us a yes, little bit about yes. that. So it's ASAP pathway, which is two reasons, you know, airway, sleep and pediatric pathway, but it's also ASAP as soon as possible. So when you identify the struggling child, you intervene ASAP. Because we all want to paint an airway, for adults, you really want to paint an airway for a growing child. Um, so we have an online um, educational forum and mentorship community, um, and it's it's just a lot of fun. And we and we just learn from each other because this really is. I mean, sleep medicine is a new science, but pediatric sleep medicine, man, it is changing. And it's nice to have everyone together in the community looking at literature and and growing together and and helping everybody. So, I mean, it is just been a dream of mine to be able to educate more dentists because you sometimes feel like you're just not getting anywhere. <laughs> and it's like the more dentists that know this, it's rewarding, you know that. Like when you look at a room full of people and you know they're gonna go back and change lives, there is something so internally rewarding to know that there's some little kiddo out there that's gonna be in a different a different place in their life because of that. So yeah, I co-founded ASAP Pathway and um, it's really getting some attention from um, the medical community as well. And I think that's very important that we start having more collaboration because they need to see the dentist as part of this uh, solution. Yeah, what is the website for that? Oh, I'm sorry, it's asappathway.com. So it's A-S-A-P pathway.com. And if you go there, um, there's a, there's a spot that says, uh, get a free gift or, um, free gift for you. It's something like that, but that is our way of getting out these screening forms to people. So if you want to go there, download, there's diagnosis forms and screening forms and data collection forms on there. Um, and I also do have the forms I use for, when I want to do blood work and things like that as well. So that's on there as well. All for free, huh? All for free. So just start, just start looking at it and, and it'll, 
at least get you aware of what you should start thinking about and looking at in your practice. And then you can go from there and decide, you know, are you going to screen and refer? Are you going to screen, refer and intervene yourself with some biofunctional devices or expansion devices? So there's the whole gamut for dentists to, to be a part of this solution. Yeah, I think Dennis should be. And I, I would agree with Carson. I think that that yeah. we are the future. And I think that education is so important. And it it really hits you even deeper with, when you're talking about children than it does adults. And it, it or it should. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it should. It should. Because one of our taglines is because kids can't wait. You You can't make children wait. Um, they don't know any different. They've never, if they've never had a good night's sleep or breathed well in their life, um, they got a whole new world waiting for them if you intervene. So yeah, it's, it's very, very rewarding. And they're so freaking fun to work with too. And uh, parents are very appreciative when they get to that ENT and the ENT says, who sent you here? Yeah. And they want to get to know who this dentist is too. So it, it is definitely a practice builder for you as well when you do that. Because all the adults you're treating have children and grandchildren that might have breathing problems. So, Well, thank you, Dr. Ochoa. You've, uh, you've certainly enlightened us in this podcast and you'll even do more so with the roundtable. That's October 7th through 10th in Dallas. You don't want to miss her. Uh, for those of you that haven't registered for the roundtable, again, it's in Dallas, October 7th through 10th. Just go to sleeproundtable.com. There'll be hundreds of dentists and their teams there to hear people just like Dr. Stacey Ochoa. So thank you so much for being with us today. And I look forward to seeing you in October, Stacey. Thank you, Kent. I'm here. Looking forward to it very much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Sleep Roundtable podcast. Don't forget to head to sleeproundtable.com to register for the 10th annual Sleep Roundtable and to subscribe to our show. See you in Dallas in October.